Thank you for tuning in at Ravenna Assembly of God. We hope you enjoy this message and are blessed from it. If you want to tune in to more messages, log on to RavennaAG.com and search under the media tab. Thank you and God bless. Well, amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all here. Yes, uh, Pastor Beck told me about uh, this morning and sharing with you all. I said, you're still here, though? So I said, yeah. <laughs> Go on. I'm just grateful there's no apples to be thrown today because <laughs> he's in the front pew. But, hey, it's, uh, it's a great privilege and honor, and I'm, um, I'm just mentored by, by this man. I, I have grown to just appreciate his leadership um, and all that he gives. He gives from his heart. So I uh, thank you, Pastor, so much for your leadership here. So, yeah, let's give him a, yeah, let's give him a hand. Absolutely. It's usually as he's uh, whether on vacation or out of town or whatever, I can just see him through there, the little camera. But but he's right here. So there we go. As you saw from the video, we're going to talk about generosity today. Uh, as we're talking and getting ready for legacy offering, uh, we're going to talk about generosity. How many know that generosity is in our DNA? It's in our DNA. It's who we are as believers. It's who we are uh, as followers of Christ. It's not just an act of kindness or investing in an organization. It's, it's something deeper. It's something deep inside of us as believers in Christ. And let me encourage you, as just from the, the video showed, um, God's calling all of us to be generous. For our lives to be generous. For, for our lives to be to, for, for generosity to echo from our, our life as people look at us. Well, let me tell you a story real quick before we jump into God's word. Um, as, as I was thinking of this topic, generosity, and thinking about how people have impacted my life from their gifts or from other things, um, it was a few months before Liddy and I got married. It was about, you know, spring 2011, and we were finishing out Bible college, and how many know whenever you're a college student, you're usually broke? You just usually, you just, there's usually not much money going around. And uh, as we uh, we're, we're getting ready for, for our wedding and everything, we got everything taken care of. We, we wanted to go someplace for our, our honeymoon, and her, her family, Lydia's family, is from Puerto Rico. And we said, you know what, let's, let's just try and see if we can do it. And we worked summer jobs, and we, we raised all this money, and we were able to buy the plane tickets to go to Puerto Rico. And as uh, over time, I made payments to do this condo, and there was one payment, big payment left. And a few months before the wedding, before it happened, the car broke down. How many know the cars just break down at the least, at the, the worst time possible? Thermostat blew, and all I saw was the temperature gauge just go, and... There we go. I was, I was stuck on the side of the road, so I thought, well, this, this is going to be a really expensive repair. And, of course, it was. So we had to drain all of our savings. We needed a car to get to our job back and forth. And how it happened, as we were praying, we are just saying, you know what, God? We, we know this is on our heart. We know we would love to, to go to this place before you know, rearranging our plans. And as we prayed, we just felt the peace. You know what? I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you through people. So, okay. So we just shared with some friends, some Bible college friends, just our, our, our need and, and what was going on, and we asked for some prayer. 
And I kid you not, church, one by one by one, people were sending us, hey, just 10 bucks, 5 bucks. And then over time, we had the exact dollar amount to fulfill what we needed to, to go to our honeymoon. So, again, that's, that's something as, as not as important as, um, as impacting people for Christ, but even something as simple to me said, you know what, God, people, people their, their generosity it can change people's lives. Whenever people do give, whenever people do sacrificially give, it does change lives. Every single one of us have been given something, and it's amazing to see how it impacts other people. And one of our core values of this church, as you know, as you come in through those doors, is that generosity changes lives. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. So, we're going to be looking at a story in the New Testament this morning, and it's about a man who people thought little of. It's a man that the locals, they knew, they knew that his character was in short supply. You guys, you guys get, catching my drift? Who, who is this short little man that climbed a tree? Zacchaeus, yeah. Now, yeah, now you're <laughs> catching it. Turn your Bibles with me. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. We're going to look, be looking at his story, and then we're going to kind of flesh out uh, this, this topic of generosity some more. Luke chapter 19. We, we see throughout the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' journey. And we're just going to read right through here. We're going to start with verse 1 and go through verse 10. So read with me. This is uh, Luke chapter 19. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of what? Zacchaeus. What a weird, wow, that spelling's weird. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was tall, <laughs> no, short. He could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchae Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, mutter he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. And all the people in the crowd, oh, what? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save lost. So let's walk through this story together, the story of Zacchaeus. We don't really think of him as a man that, you know, generosity is, is brimming from, but I want you to really sh uh, look at the, examine the story here with me. First, Jesus goes through Jericho. Now, if you know just kind of the, the geography of, of Jericho, it's an, at that time was an incredible city. We know Jericho from what the Israelites walking around. And what came down? The wall. Yeah. And if you know the Veggie Tales story, 
The people up on top of the wall, they were throwing slushies down at the Israelites. Some of you guys don't even know <laughs> what that is. But, but there was something powerful with this city. It was, it was the, the conquest of Canaan. And historians, and, and uh, they have revealed that there were palaces at this time in the New Testament where King Herod had built, and it had this tropical climate, and it had ex- excellent access to, to water for agriculture. This place, Jericho, it was its close vicinity to Jerusalem. It made it a hub for all of these trade routes. And in comes Jesus. So Jesus enters, passing through. He's looking up, and he sees Zacchaeus. It's interesting to note that Luke mentions this detail that Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector. He was a what? Chief tax collector. This is the only time in the New Testament where we see this title of chief tax collector. So Zacchaeus, he was rich. He was involved with tons of money, and he was extremely hated by the Jews. He couldn't see Jesus, right? So he climbed the tree because of his short stature. But then he had this encounter with Jesus that it totally changed his life. Look again at verse 5 of Luke 19. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once, welcomed, welcomed him gladly. So Zacchaeus, he displays his transformation. Something changed with Zacchaeus. To go from a wealthy chief tax collector to now saying, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm changed. Look again at what he, he said he was going to do. Verse 8. He looked up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated out anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times. You see, church, this is one of the points I want you to write down in your notes here. It's that transformation precedes faith-filled generosity. Transformation precedes faith-filled generosity. There was something clear in Zacchaeus' heart. Something changed. Something happened inside of him. He said he was going to sell half of his possessions to the poor, which is pretty incredible. But then secondly, pay back anyone fourfold if he defrauded anyone. You see, the second declaration is not actually as incredible as the first. Because currently, at that time, under Roman law, if you did defraud or cheat anybody out of what they owed, you had to give back four times the amount. So he met the requirement of the law. He made things right. And then he gave half of his possessions to the poor. One was to, 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 to make things right, to, to show a repentant heart. But the other was a voluntary act to show his heart's transformation. Throughout the scriptures, church, generosity is a byproduct. It's a fruit of the transformation that God does inside of you. How many know that to be true? God does something credible in your heart. Man, I want, I want to give. I want to be part of something. God's done something for me. He has saved me. I want to give back to him. I'm going to worship him 
by my gifts, by, by what I can give. One of, this, one of the main characteristics of the early church was what? Say, everyone say generosity. Generosity. It was one of the main key components. It was who they were. Look with me at Acts chapter 2, verse 44. It says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. Of course, we know this is after the, the day of Pentecost and, and amazing miracles were happening and the, and the Spirit fell down and Peter preaches this amazing sermon and 3,000 were saved at that day. And, and Luke in, in the book of Acts just gives this kind of the summary of what the church looked like. They were together and had everything in common. Then verse 45 of Acts 2, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. See, the early, the early believers, they were driven by this heart transformation. Something changed in their heart, and they responded. They voluntarily gave because they knew that Jesus had changed them. And I, I thought about this, this, this kind of question. Some people might push back and say, well, well, wait a second, Pastor Joe. I know people who are generous that aren't believers. So what's, what's up with that? And what I would say in response to that, some people, are, how many know, are naturally kind of more stingy, and some people are naturally more generous, believe it or not. But whenever you are changed by the gospel, whenever you are changed and when you realize what Jesus did for you on the cross, it amplifies everything inside of you. It can take someone who, who hasn't given a dime to anything or hasn't shared food or given their time or anything, and God can change them and make them into someone who is a lifelong giver. God changes people, church. It's that heart transformation. One of my favorite stories or what kind of pictures of this, you know, as we're talking about snow this coming week. That's crazy, isn't it? Snow this coming week. Um, talking about Christmas time, I love the transformation of Mr. Scrooge in the Christmas Carol. I love, I love the, uh, the version of it played by George C. Scott in the movie. And, and he wakes up from the dream, from the ghost from Christmas yet to come, and, and he has this revelation, hey, I still have time to make things right. And you, you see him, he just kind of transform into this, this great giver and this great generous person. He makes things right. Transformation, church, it proceeds. It comes before that faith-filled generosity. So we've seen how the gospel transforms someone and, and what happens when it takes root inside of them. But church, generosity is really, it's just love's reflex. At the heart, generosity is love's reflex. It's that reflex whenever... You know, you go to the doctor's office and they hit you with that, that little, whatever that thing is called. I don't know what that's called. But they hit your knee, and it kind of reflexes out. They're, they're testing for reflexes, right? So they're, they're testing to see how you're going to react. We are generous. How many know because he was generous with us? It's true. At the very heart of the gospel, church, there is this generous, loving God who stepped in and gave his one and only son, us. 
He gave out of his love. We, we know John 3.16, but we're going to read it from the Amplified Version. It gives us some, some different details that kind of really highlight his generosity. Look at John 3.16 from the Amplified up here. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten Son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. Church, we respond to what God has done in our hearts with worship and gratitude to God. How many know it's not just, it's not just money that we respond and we're, we're generous with? It's our time. It's responding to need. Whenever um, we had our second born, if you don't know, I have four girls Pray for me. <laughs> House full of women. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a blast. It's, wow, yeah. Uh, four girls, Chloe, Emily, Elizabeth, and Abigail. And our second born, Emily, was born in a snowstorm in a town called Plano, Illinois. Right where we were at, we were ministering. We were ministering in a town called Yorkville. Right to the west of it is a town called Plano, she was born, actually, in the town west of it, and it's called Sandwich, Illinois. Kind of funny. So you have Plano Sandwich. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> it's crazy. Look it up sometime in Illinois. Um, where was I? Go? I mean, I don't know. Okay, so Emily was born uh, in Sandwich, Illinois, and it was, she was born in a snowstorm and... At that point, you know, we were youth pastors in um, the suburbs, the suburbs of Chicago. And, you know, we, we didn't know as many people. We didn't, we weren't as connected. Um, and whenever she was born, somebody, you know, anonymously set up one of those uh, meal trains. You guys heard of those before? Those meal trains where people sign up online and, and, and they, they sign up and they say, we're going to bring and donate a, a meal to you, a, a, some food. And church, I kid you not, that was one of the most generous things that impacted us as a ministry couple that was just kind of lonely, kind of figuring out what's going on. And we just had a child born, and it was amazing. And yet the weight of coming back home and readjusting. But I think for three weeks, people covered meals. And it was just, it was incredible. When we talk about generosity, church, it's not just money. It's, it's, it's a heart to give, to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to respond because of what God has done for me. There are so many examples, church, of, of generosity in the scriptures. We talked about the early church. We're talking about Zacchaeus. Paul talks about the Philippian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And look in your, look in your outline there. The first few verses of 2 Corinthians 8 Paul talks about this, this Macedonian church that gives in such an incredible way. Look at verses 1 through 2 there. He says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich, say this word with me, Generosity. Rich generosity. 
Paul talks about in verse 9, he skip ahead there, he talks, he talks about the why, the background, further motivation, further generosity. Now considering that he's talking about the Philippians here, that this was a poor church compared to other churches in, in different regions. Look at verses 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians 8. Paul says, I am not saying this as a command to dictate to you, he's talking to the Corinthians, but to prove by pointing out the enthusiasm of others, the sincerity of your love as well, for you are recognizing more clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. His astonishing kindness, his generosity, his gracious favor, that though he was rich, he's talking about Jesus, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich, abundantly blessed. So again, we're talking about the reflex that we have of our love for God. When we realize what he has done for us, it's a natural reflex to give and to be generous as well. How many know, and some of you guys are, are next to your, your spouse, next to you, how many of you know that you give a lot whenever you are in love? True? Yeah. Whether it's your kids, whether it's your spouse, whether it's somebody that you love or a close friend, someone that you're close to, you give. Um, I, I was thinking about some of the early dates that Lydia and I went on when we were in Bible college down in Springfield, Missouri. And now I think about some of those dates and I'm thinking, wow, man, I blew through some money. <laughs> I was, a, I was a, a custodian night shift and after, you know, working or going through um, classes all day at Bible college, I, I do a night shift and work like five, six hours cleaning dorms, cleaning classrooms or whatnot, you know, making, what, six twenty-five an hour, just, just trying to get some money while we were there. And, you know, some of those dates, I think, wow. And I'm thinking of the bill now, like, whoa, that would be, I need a coupon for that now. <laughs> but, but you just think about it, man, I was, I, you think about how, how whenever you first met your spouse, there's that love that kind of burns out, or someone that you, you care for, and you're willing to give, you're willing to go above and beyond. Generosity, church, it should be our reflex for Christ. It's a sign of worship, and it's a sign of obedience to him, and yet many believers still have a hard time. But let me give you one more point here about what, what the effects of generosity, what it has on our hearts. It's that generosity, it leads people to Christ. Generosity leads people to Christ. We've seen how the gospel, we've seen how Jesus transformed people like Zacchaeus. But what we don't usually see is the fruit sometimes of that generosity. Sometimes we do, we're privileged to see, see that, the fruit, but sometimes I'm talking about Maybe the people in the crowd who witnessed Zacchaeus' transformation. We may not see or hear of the byproducts of what happens. But let me tell you, church, whenever we are generous, lives are impacted for Christ. It will have eternal results whenever we are, whenever we are generous. 
It's what like Jesus says in, in the Sermon on the Mount. When he says, you know, don't store your treasures up here on earth where, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store your treasures where? In heaven. Where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's it. I want you to think about, even right now, someone who personally was generous to you and how it affected you. There are many stories over and over and over again, again, throughout the scriptures. Somebody who was generous and somebody's life, lives that were impacted by it. Paul says again, he's talking about the Philippian church and how incredibly special they have given and how they helped spread the gospel. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, Moreover, as you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Church, may, may we be May we be a church that is generous, not, not out of guilt, but out of a love of Jesus. Out of a love that's permeated because of what he's done for us. We give as obedience and submission to him because he owns everything as well. Everything is his. We give to invest more in his kingdom. And as what Pastor talked about last week, we are sowing. We are sowing. You're sowing into his kingdom so that one day there may be a reaping. We give for all of these, but the motivation, again, it's a passion. It's a love for Jesus that we have. Whenever somebody gives out of, out of a guilt, man, it's, it's, not, it's not as effective as just your, your passion. Why am I giving? Why am I doing this? Because of his great love for me. I can't ever give back what he's given to me, but I respond in worship to him. Let me push again on just what we're, what we're after this month and in a couple weeks, and that legacy offering, that, that best one-time gift. Um, pray about it, church. Pray, prepare, participate. Be ready. Whatever God lays on your hearts, let it be your best gift above your faithful tithe, but let it be that one-time amazing gift. So let me tell you this, church, too. Um, obviously, I'm not from around here, as you may, may, uh, may know, but I, I grew up in a, a little church in suburbs of St. Louis, Missouri. And that little assembly of God church, year after year after year, as we got ready for camp, as I got ready for youth convention, as we called it back then, um, as we got ready for... My goodness, Bible quiz meets. Um, that little church sponsored me. Because our, our family, we didn't have much. They sponsored me year after year after year. And in those camps and in those conventions, I received that call to ministry that God had laid on my heart. And if it wasn't for those men and women who sacrificed, I don't know where I'd be. Your generosity impacts people, church. 
It does. God looks, though, how many know he looks, he looks at our heart? Not the amount. The perfect illustration of this is what Jesus talks about in Luke 21. It's, it's the widow's gift. The widow's gift was more valuable than the Pharisees and those that were going into the temple treasury and, and making a parade. Oh, I'm going to drop this huge pound of, of money into this bucket. No, it's, they, it was for them. It was their show. But that widow gave what was left. And the widow gave all that she had, and Jesus recognized it and showed us that God looks at what? The heart. He looks at the heart and not the amount. Sometimes, church, we could be so impressed by whether you see a headline or you see a company or you see, hey, this, this certain person, this billionaire, gave you know, millions and millions of dollars to this. And praise God for that. That's great. But sometimes we look at their percentage, honestly, how much they have. Sometimes it may be more modest than what we believe. God looks at our heart, church. How many know or remember the, uh, the story of, of Jesus feeding the 5,000? Who was it that gave that lunch to Jesus? That little boy. That's what he had. That's kind of the, he's kind of the unsung hero as, or, or even the, his mom who prepared the lunch. I've heard sermons about that, and it's, it's impacted me. He, here's what I have, Lord. Two, two fish and five loaves, and, and, and take with it, take it. How many know that, that he has a way of multiplying what we give? It's not about the amount. It's about our heart and obedience to him. So, Lord, so, church, it's time for us to readjust, to give to God what we know he's asking us to give. I'm going to ask the worship team to go get ready. But, church, even with, with all this, what my... What my prayer is for you, as you think about generosity, it's not about, it's not about not only just, oh, we're talking about money again. It's really an act of obedience, and it's a heart check. Where are we at with him? You know, because at, at, the, at the surface level, we give, and, you know, we have either hard time or, or okay time, or however we respond to it. But we give, again, as worship to him. And whenever we think about generosity, we think about what he has done for us. That in his loving kindness, he gave his one and only son. I love what the, uh, the book of Romans says, Romans 5.8, that God demonstrated his own love for us in this he gave his one and only son. How many know that we didn't deserve it? But it is because of God's amazing grace. It's unmerited favor. It's not that we work. We do certain good things and we, we earn the grace of God. No. He gives us this grace. He says, I love you. And I've sent my son to bridge the gap between us. For we were once enemies of God. And now through what Jesus has done for us, he has helped us reconcile our, our debt that was paid, that was owed. He paid it. 
But church, it's time for us to be a generous people again. Not just with money, but just with our heart. To be a generous people. It's time for the world to know that his church loves others. It's time for the world to know that he loves, that we love, we love our God. And we're going to give in response. You know, honestly, this, this pandemic has, has showed, it's kind of exposed in a certain sense, um, how we're going to care for each other. Whenever everybody was home alone, ever, people were social distanced and, and not fellowshipping or whatnot, a lot, of, a lot of churches, they rose up. And I'm, I'm proud of, of you guys in this church and how we you know, collected for food donations and non-perishables and, and things that we were able to donate to the, to the Prospect House. But it's time for us again, be generous people with our hearts, with what we have in our lives. We are generous because he was generous with us. Let me read this verse to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? It is by God's grace that we are saved. And even on a topic like this church, there may be some of you out in the crowd this morning It just resonates with what God has done. Where Jesus took your place, he took the death penalty that we deserved because we know the wages of sin, it's, it's death. But that wondrous gift of God is it's alive in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of us didn't deserve it. But his unmerited favor, his grace is given to us because he loves us. So this morning, church, maybe someone on the crowd is, is responding and saying, you know, Pastor Joe, I, I need to respond to God. Or maybe a long time ago, I, I've accepted Christ in my life and I've walked away. I've, I, I need to come back home. We are responding to a generous and loving God and he loves you. So this morning, you may say, that's, that's me. I need to respond to what God has done for me. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just challenge you this, this morning. If that's you and you say, you know what? I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to respond to his love for me. If that's you and you're saying that, you know, I'm going to accept Jesus for the first time or I, I, need to, I need to come back home, would you just slip up a hand so we could pray with you this morning? Responding to God's amazing, amazing grace this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Amen. Well, believer, this morning, the challenge is simple. It's not the question, am I generous, but am I responding to God's generosity and kind? Am I I worshiping Him? Is my life a life that reflects God's generosity? And if not, it's time for us just to readjust, get back on track, respond to him because of how generous he was with us. Let our life be a life brimming with his love. It's our reflex. It's who we are. So as the worship team begins to Sing this song, Here I Am to Worship. Let me encourage you before we pray. Worship, giving, generosity, it's part of our worship to God. It's because we're responding to Him. So this morning, Lord, I thank you so much for what you've given to us. For because you are great and rich in mercy, you made us alive with Christ. And we can never repay you, Lord. The very notion is, is honestly ridiculous. But we, uh, we worship and we respond and we, we accept the call to, to be generous. Not only with our money, but with our lives, with our love to those, everyone around us. Lord, we thank you for this morning. I pray that each and every one of us would respond to that call to be generous because you have been generous with us. Lord, I pray for this congregation. Lead them, guide them. Protect them, Lord. Bring us back again together. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand your feet this morning? And as the worship team begins, thank you, yes, as the worship team begins to sing, I just encourage you, spend a time of worship. Before you go, reflect on his love for us, for you, and his love. Amen. Amen. Let's worship this morning. Light of the world.